0: Well, amen, amen. You brought your Bible this morning, say yes. And uh, let me get you go ahead and open it up to John chapter 1 and verse 14. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And uh, so thankful for our time of worship this morning. And uh, now we get an opportunity to look into the Word. John chapter 1, verse 14. Let's go ahead and stand together and out of God's Word this morning. You got it there in front of you, say yes. And uh, you got it there, say yes. John one fourteen. it says, And the Word became flesh... And dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten from the Father full of grace and truth let's bow together God we do thank you so much for your divine word and opportunity this morning to unpack a familiar verse with those who've grown up in church maybe not so familiar with those who are new to Bible study and Lord we pray that you would help us to see the glories of Jesus Christ this morning And that you would strengthen our hearts as we seek to walk with you. And God, you would help us to see the most extravagant gift ever given to humanity. And God, I pray that we would respond by giving an extravagant gift back to you this morning. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You go ahead and be seated. Well, uh, this past week I actually began to think about the fact that everybody pretty much who's coming to church is in the process. Of looking for new gifts. So you're trying to find birthday gifts for those in your family, maybe a wife, maybe a husband, maybe your children, and so you kind of want to get an extravagant gift. And then I ran across an article about some people who were giving extravagant gifts. Uh, One of those gifts is actually called a Bugatti. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but a Bugatti is actually a French-made vehicle and uh, that car can go up to 265 miles an hour. Amen on that? Amen. Well, let me tell you who actually gave that as a gift to another person. Uh, The person who gave it was a lady by the name of Beyonce. You ever heard of her? And uh, she gave it to Jay-Z. And the cost of that Bugatti, listen to this, $2 million. Now, if you're here this morning, you don't know Beyonce and Jay-Z, don't Google search it, all right? Just let it ride and uh, say amen, you don't know. But anyway, so that was an extravagant gift. But then there's also this other gift that I found in the same article. It was actually a pink Bentley. And the pink Bentley was $200,000. The dashboard was laced with diamonds. And this was given, listen, by none other than Paris Hilton as a Christmas gift, all right? Now, does anybody know who she gave it to? Anybody first service all knew it. I'm glad you guys don't watch TMZ, all right? God bless you. But uh, listen, she gave it to herself, right? She's like, Merry Christmas to me, all right? And uh, that was her gift. Well, as we look this morning at uh, both of these extravagant gifts, you and I know that God has given the most extravagant gift to humanity in His Son, Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 1 and verse 14 here really what happens is we see Jesus being unwrapped before our very eyes. So let's just kind of walk straight through that verse that we've just read and it says and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now the title here given to the Lord Jesus Christ is the Word. The Word became flesh. Uh, The word is a Greek term, logos. It literally speaks of an expression. Uh, It speaks of a statement that is given. Uh, To give you kind of an example, Krista and I uh, dated while we were in college, but there was actually one summer where we didn't have the opportunity to spend as much time with one another as we had previous. So she went somewhere for that summer and I went in a different place. And so we began to write letters to one another that summer. And uh, she would write letters to me. And uh, as soon as they would come in the mail, I was fired up because I knew those letters were actually going to be her thoughts about me. And uh, it was gonna be her expression and her emotion towards me and so I would rip those things open and I could not wait to see what she had written and uh, just so you know they were all crazy good are you all with me but that's that's what she would do now if you think about John chapter 1 and verse 14 here what we have is God the Father actually spelling himself out to the world through his son Jesus Christ Jesus is the logos Jesus was And is God expressing himself to the world. Jesus was and is, and I like to say it like this, the explanation point of God's revelation of himself to the world. And so Jesus came, the logos, and then the Bible says became flesh. And became flesh. It just simply means that Jesus took on a human body. Now unlike your birth or my birth, Jesus was born of a virgin to ensure his purity. He arrived on the scene of his creation as a baby in a manger. And then John goes on and says, and we uh, saw Jesus and he dwelt among us. And that term dwelt takes our minds back to how God was with his people Israel in the Old Testament. See, in the the Old Testament, uh, God dwelt or he tabernacled with the people in the tent of meeting. So his Shekinah glory actually came upon the tabernacle uh, where he was with his people. But in the New Testament, the Bible is teaching us that God came in the person of Jesus Christ and he pitched his tent among men. And so the scripture says, And the Logos became flesh and dwelled among us. And I love what John says. He says, And we beheld his glory. That is, we witnessed with our own eyes the splendor and the majesty and the weightiness of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. That term only begotten speaks of the uniqueness of Jesus. Jesus is the only Son who has proceeded directly from God the Father. And then I love this last little phrase that he gives. He says uh, that he is full of grace and full of truth. Now, in this text of Scripture, John is actually comparing Jesus coming to give grace and truth with Moses who actually brought the law and and he kind of gives a contrast and a comparison. And so it's kind of like this. Uh, Through Moses, the law came and it exposed our sin. But through Jesus, grace came and he forgave us of our sin. Uh, Through Moses, the law came and we see clearly our condemnation before Almighty God. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, truth came that we can be forgiven and that condemnation can be removed from our life by faith. And so Jesus came and he was full of grace and he was full of truth. So you think about it, a $2 million Bugatti or a $200,000 Bentley actually has an expiration date on it. Both of the cars that you saw this morning on the screen one day will expire they'll find themselves in a junkyard but let me encourage you this morning Jesus has no expiration date Jesus is eternal and I'll say it like this I'm not gonna mention a junkyard but I'll tell you they tried to put him in a graveyard but it didn't work out so well Jesus got up from the dead so that is Jesus the greatest gift ever given to humanity was God's son now if we think about that extravagant gift We kind of back off of the scripture and ask, what what should we give back to God? I mean, what should be an extravagant gift that we can give to the Lord? And what I did through this uh, study was just read the historical accounts of Jesus' birth and begin to lift some things that I think you and I can give back to the Lord this Christmas as an extravagant gift. And there are four major things that I want you to give to Jesus this Christmas. So are you all ready for them? Say yes. Uh, here's the first one Now, I want to encourage you to worship wholeheartedly worship wholeheartedly that is give all of your worship to the Lord Jesus Christ now there's a great example of this in Matthew's Gospel chapter 2 we read about the wise men who had seen the star and they actually went to where that star was shining to visit the newborn baby Jesus now after traveling a great distance guided by the star in the sky Uh, The scripture says, after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and check this out, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So think about this scene for just a moment. The wise men uh, spent their lives serving royalty, but the star carried them to the one true royal king, Jesus Christ they entered into the house Jesus is only a child and as soon as they see him they fall to their knees and they bow their foreheads on the ground it is a sign of both humility and undying devotion and worship so they Bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and immediately began to give to Jesus gifts. They give him gold That was common currency in those days. It was of great value They give him as well frankincense and myrrh. Uh, These are aroma Spices that are given to Jesus that also are of a great value So they give their very best to Jesus wholeheartedly. They are worshiping Jesus Christ now as I look at that scene And I think about the Magi and how they were worshiping the Lord. I kind of come away encouraged. I want to worship the Lord in the same manner. Listen, Jesus Christ has come. Uh, He was born of a virgin. He died for my sin. I'm just talking about me, Levi. He died for my sin on the cross. He was buried and resurrected. And he has promised me an eternal home in glory. Uh, This Jesus is who I want to give my life to and worship him. And you and I, when we gather together corporately, we should come in here with that same attitude, with that exact same desire, a desire to wholeheartedly worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That means when you and I come uh, to corporately worship together, we shouldn't come in here half awake. We shouldn't come in here half-baked. We should come in here with a genuine desire to see Jesus Christ lifted up so that should be our heart corporate worship you know I agree with uh, David Platt uh, who actually once described it in this way And let me kinda give it to you uh, in the scene are y'all listening say yes uh, he said imagine if aliens those are like people from out of space y'all with me uh, they, imagine if aliens showed up to earth and they were trying to decide what we valued as a culture what we worship as a culture. He said they would come away seeing corporate worship taking place inside a stadium, not inside a church. They would think we worshiped on Saturdays inside a football arena, dressed in our team colors, high-fiving strangers, singing fight songs for our teams. They would never think by watching us go to church, that we worship the God of the universe on Sunday mornings. Isn't that overwhelmingly true? If aliens showed up, they would be shocked to find out that Sunday was the day set aside to worship Jesus. They would think Saturday was set aside to worship some game. Listen, where are you giving your worship to? Who are you uh, giving all of your honor to? So when we gather together on Sunday mornings, this shouldn't be your time to escape or withdraw. This shouldn't be a time for you to kind of slip your head on the back of a chair and take a nap. This is a time where you and I should be overwhelmed with God's people together at the grace and the truth that proceeds from Jesus Christ. That should be our heart. I mean, I pray that that is your heart. Worship wholeheartedly. Give your very best to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't want to give leftovers to Jesus corporately, but I don't want to give leftovers to Jesus individually either. Listen, just as the Magi traveled and they bowed before the King of Kings. Listen, there are times in my life where I want to get along with Jesus. I want to get in my prayer closet. I want to sing words of thanksgiving and praise to Christ. And there are times when I want to get on my face before the Lord. Listen, this is a posture of worship. I'm humbled by His grace. I'm humbled by the fact that God would reach down and touch me and give me a new life. Why would I not want to worship Him with everything that I have? So man, I want to encourage you this morning. If you're not worshiping Jesus wholeheartedly, get a grip, man. God gave the very best gift to you in His Son, Jesus Christ. Give your very best back to Him in worship. Now there's a second thing that I want to encourage you. All of us to give to the Lord. And we not only need to worship wholeheartedly, but also we need to reach enthusiastically. We need to reach enthusiastically. See, the angels of God uh, reached out to a group of shepherds one night as they were keeping their flock. Uh, You remember the story. The angel said to them in Luke chapter 2, Behold, now listen to this. He says, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now after hearing this, the shepherds went to Bethlehem. And there, just as they were told, they found the Lord Jesus. They were so overwhelmed by the glory of it all that the Scriptures teach you and I that they went back glorifying, praising, and lifting up God for all that they had seen and all that they had heard just as it had been told to them. Now, you think about this scene, all right? The angels came, and they said, we have good news. Now, you and I, on the other side of the resurrection, the Bible says, as followers of Jesus, we are ambassadors. Just as the angels had good news, you and I also have good news. And the Scripture says we are ambassadors in the sense that God himself is begging people. Listen to this. Begging people through us that people might come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that for just a moment. See, those of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus should reach out enthusiastically to encourage others to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, one of my personal goals, and I just kind of encourage you, maybe that you want to make this a personal goal, but one of my personal goals is to share the gospel uh, with somebody at least once a week. So I'm uh, praying that God would open doors, and I mean, I'm seeking to share Jesus with people one-on-one. I want to be involved in doing that. Listen, I've got the greatest gift. Why wouldn't I want to tell somebody about what Christ has done? So I want to reach out. I'm also uh, praying uh, For someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. I always like to have somebody, somebody's name actually written down in my own personal prayer journal. And I'm lifting that individual up to the Lord Jesus. And man, I pray for them. And uh, praying that they'd even be here today. So that's that's just something, man, I want to reach out enthusiastically. That's a gift I can give back to the Lord. God gave me the greatest gift in His Son, Jesus. Why wouldn't I want to tell people about that great gift? Now as a fellowship, our community groups are actually set aside. Where you can get along with other people and strategically think about how you can reach others with the gospel. And so as you get involved in a community group, just imagine what it would be like if the center of conversation as you gather together actually dealt with people who are far from God. People you were praying for. People you're strategically trying to reach out with the gospel. So, that's a call upon every single one of us. That's not just something that a, a pastor would do. Uh, man, we'd do that just as followers of Christ. Now, I think you'd agree, and I'm convinced that as, uh, we don't consider people who are outside the faith near enough. Would y'all agree with me on that? We just don't consider them. In fact, uh, in 2012, are y'all listening and say yes? Because no, this is wild. I want y'all to listen to this. In 2012, our Southern Baptist Convention did some research. And found that in uh, that year, 2012, we reached less people for the gospel of Jesus than years previous. In fact, it was the worst year for reaching lost people since 1948. They found, now this is what's shocking to me, they found that it took on average 50 Southern Baptist church members, 50 of them, to reach one person for Jesus in a whole year. Took 50 of them. Now... As I kind of think through that, I started thinking, well, I wonder, you know, how our uh, fellowship is doing, especially as they tell us now, 2014 Southern Baptist Report, that 80% of churches are plateaued or declining. 80% of them. This is the group who have the we got the best news in the world, man, in Christ. Plateaued and declining. So I thought about a concord and some stuff for our fellowship. So let me just kind of share this with you. This is pretty interesting. Uh, Current resident membership of Concord: fifteen hundred people. Uh, In a year's time, just the past twelve months, as far back as we went, uh, sixty-three souls have been baptized. So sixty-three—that's pretty good. But think think of it like this for a moment: it takes fifty church members to reach one person for Christ a year, according to the Southern Baptist Convention. That's all of them put together. But Concord doing a little bit better. Takes twenty-four Concordians to reach one person for Jesus in a whole year 24 of us, take, that's how many it takes? Y'all out there say yes? Now that's, that's, that's good, but that's not near good enough. Especially when we start thinking about the fact that there's 228,000 people who are unchurched church living all around us. If we stay at our current rate, just our current rate, you know how long it'd take for us to reach those people? Over 3,600 years. Y'all gonna be around? Now think about that. Is that a good rate for the good news of Christ? Listen, if you've been redeemed by Jesus, don't you want to share that? I mean, every single Christmas you get some gift that you love bragging about. You're like, check out this new phone. Check out this iPad. Check out this television. Check this gift out. But listen, you've been given Christ. Why would you not brag upon who Jesus is to those who are outside of the faith? Let's be, let's be honest. Let's slip in here for just a moment. Look at me. About how Do we really think people are going to go to hell without Christ? Or do we just kind of talk about that in a nonchalant way? People are standing over the pits of hell, and we just all kind of gather, and we never tell people? Do we, listen, do we really believe there is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained? Do we really believe Jesus Christ said it? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. I mean, do we really believe that? Or is that something we just kind of get around and speak religiously about? Listen, if you've been converted to Jesus Christ, one of your main goals ought to be to share Christ. You should have this desire to share Jesus. And it was Charles Spurgeon who said, You have no desire to see souls saved. Know this, your soul is not saved. See, if you've been truly born again, there's something inside of you that longs for other people to come to know Jesus Christ. Listen, we can't just come together as a church and look at each other and talk about how awesome Jesus is right inside these walls but not go out there and tell folks how to be saved. Are y'all out there Say yeah? You've got the greatest gift in Jesus. Go brag on Jesus. That's the second one, reach enthusiastically. Let me give you the third one here, another great gift you can give, and that is that you would grow spiritually, that you would grow spiritually. Now, we may not think of it often, but throughout Jesus' early life, uh, Mary grew spiritually. Two times in Luke's gospel, the Bible says Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Scripture says this about her as she listened to the shepherds talk about what the angels had said concerning Jesus. Scripture also says this about her after she listened to Jesus say, "Uh, Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Listen, Mary didn't completely understand all that was going on in her son's life, but she treasured in her heart what she was learning about him. Now as I think about this, the greatest thing you and I can do in this life is to get to know Jesus Christ personally. By this I mean treasure in our heart what the scriptures teach us about Jesus And seek to obey his commands And as we look into the light of Jesus Christ We'll be transformed from glory to glory That is we become more and more like Jesus And Are y'all listening, are y'all listening to say yes? When Jesus was here upon the earth What was he involved in doing? He was reaching out He was doing the Father's will Sharing, repent And be saved Grow spiritually. By the way, growing spiritually is more than filling our heads with Bible knowledge and facts. This is the act of applying what we have learned from Jesus, which alters how we live. And whenever we grow spiritually, it deepens our love for Jesus, which is displayed in our love toward one another. You see, the reflection of our spiritual maturity is the extent to which we love one another. This is one of the primary reasons we have grow groups in our fellowship that meet together on Sunday evenings and I'm fired up about them beginning again in January uh, Kristen and I taught a grow group last semester. It's a great opportunity for us man to get to know people in our fellowship and to learn what's going on in their life so that we can pray for them and as we grew together man we, we learned to love people even more Listen grow spiritually that's a great gift that you can give to the Lord Jesus and then The last thing I want to share with you is that you would serve thankfully. Serve thankfully. See, after Jesus was brought to the temple and Mary and Joseph offered up their sacrifices to God, Simeon came in and held Jesus in his arms saying, My eyes have seen your salvation. But check this out. What's interesting is that Simeon had a promise from God that he would see the Lord's Christ before he passed. And indeed, that's exactly what he did. The scripture says, And there was a prophetess. Anna, the daughter of Phaniel. Now listen, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayer. At that moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all of those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Now you know we don't usually think about Anna. When it comes, time to celebrate Christmas and talk about what we can give back to Christ. But check this out. Anna actually served thankfully. She was so overwhelmed that she had the opportunity to see Jesus that she gave herself to serving the Lord in the temple. Now look at me eyeball to eyeball. Here's the deal. If you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been gifted to serve in the body. God's given you a gift, and God's given you a position. He's given you a place uh, to play, so to speak, on his team in the church. So you ought to serve thankfully. When you get overwhelmed with what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, you not only will tell others about Christ, but you'll want to serve. You'll want to do what God's called you to do. It's just a natural byproduct of following in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. So can I ask you all a question say yes? Thank you. Hey, if you, if you didn't show up to church for a whole week, uh, who would you have to call to replace you? If you didn't show up for a whole week, it's like, I mean, you missed Sunday morning, Sunday night, you meant Wednesday night, who would you have to call? Say, hey, I'm not going to be there, man. I need you to serve in my place. Now, if you're out there and you're like, well, I wouldn't have to call anybody. I'm going to ask you, why not? Why, why are you not serving Jesus? <laughs> Merry Christmas. Y'all, y'all digging this sermon, aren't you? I mean, let's think about that, right? Listen, this, is, this isn't Burger King. Right? This isn't like, have it your way. Like, everything in this church isn't revolving around you or me. It's about Christ our King. We want to worship Him wholeheartedly. We want to reach out enthusiastically. We want to serve thankfully. We want to grow spiritually. And when we all get a genuine glimpse of this idea of just worshiping, reaching, growing, and serving, you're going to be shocked when we all really sink our teeth into that reality, what God can do among us. But I'm afraid if we're not careful, we'll just live the rest of our life like, all right, I guess we ought to go to church this Sunday. Kind of walk on up in here. Let's see if Levi can have a good sermon this morning and impress us. Let's see if James sounds good. How's he sound up there? Hey, right. I've heard him sound better. <laughs> I mean really, I mean it's seriously it's a to take. Like I grew up in church. Are you all with me say yeah? So I grew up in church. You know I was always in church every time the doors were open. And man sometimes I feel like the only reason that I went to church is just kind of checking off. Hey I went to church this weekend. Didn't serve. Wasn't telling anybody about Jesus. Wasn't giving worship to Jesus. I just like join up because that's what we do. And if we're not careful as a church body right here we can fall into that same rut. Well, let's go, to church. This is what we do. Are y'all listening? Your, your life, man, that short, all right? What you do with Jesus is going to determine where you spend eternity, heaven or hell. And then for us who are followers of Jesus, when we stand before Jesus, we don't stand empty handed. You know, Paul says that there will many who will be saved, yet so as through the fire in 1 Corinthians 3. He's not talking about the fires of hell. He's talking about the fact that your life is actually going to be judged by Jesus, and he's going to determine whether or not you are faithful to serve him and do what he called you to do. And when you stand before Jesus, do you want to stand there, get, just saved through the fire? I mean, and it, and the idea there and the image there is that you're saved naked before Jesus with nothing to give. And many people are going to stand before Jesus. That Man, I don't want y'all standing before Jesus like that. I don't want to stand before Jesus like that. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and he said, You at that church are my crown to present before Jesus at his coming. Think about that. When Jesus comes... Who will you be able to say, hey, you, you, maybe that's your children, you, maybe that's your spouse, you, maybe that's that class you teach, you, you are my crown to present before Jesus at his coming. Or is it like, I don't know what I'm going to give to Jesus whenever he comes. Can Can you imagine spending your whole life just like spinning your religious wheels, saying I went to church Sunday? I mean, for real. Is that it? I'm trying to I'm trying to ask y'all a question. Is that it? I would hope not. I I mean I I can't dig that personally. And that's not because I'm a preacher. Because there's a bunch of preachers who'll just check it off every weekend too. Jesus is for real. All right. I want to give everything I've got to it. And I, I, I want you to as well. That's, that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. Extravagant gift given to you in Christ. Give an extravagant gift back to Him. Give Him your life. Amen? Well, let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts right now. And God, I pray that individuals are encouraged by Your Word, challenged by Your Word. God, we wouldn't just check church off, check this whole thing of Christianity off as if we've kind of gone through the motions. But we give ourselves over to you. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. But you might be in here this morning and you've never genuinely trusted Christ with your life. Well, I want to encourage you to make a decision this morning that will change you for eternity. God created you to know him. What separates you from the Lord is sin And if you hold on to your sin You'll be separated from God forever You'll you'll go to hell when you die Man, we don't want that The Bible teaches the Lord doesn't even want that He's not willing that any would perish But all would come to everlasting life Man, God so loved you He sent Jesus And if you believe in Him this morning You can have eternal life Grace and truth can overwhelm you. So right where you are, if you need to place your faith in Jesus, or maybe you're like James who was sharing a moment ago, you kind of went through the motions when you were a kid, but you never genuinely gave your heart to Christ. Today may be the very day that you give yourself to Christ. So if that's you this morning and you need to give your life to him, just pray something like this in your heart as I pray out loud. Just a simple model prayer here for you, all right? Just pray something like this. Lord, I'm a sinner. And I can't get rid of my sin. I'm not good enough or religious enough. I've sinned before you. But I thank you for your son Jesus who died in my place on the cross. I thank you for the resurrection. And today, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to Him. So this morning, I'm turning from my sin, my old way of thinking and living. And I'm placing my full trust in you. And help me to be unashamed about the decision that I've just made this morning.